Bibles with you, you can turn to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. So I'll give you a minute to get ready. See the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and I'm going to have the words on the screen here in a minute. My name is Joe Crumley, I'm one of the leaders here, and it's a privilege to be able to speak this morning. And again, on behalf of our church, we just want to give a warm welcome to everyone. And maybe you were here for the first time, maybe you were at the big quiz last night, which we held at our building, which was a fantastic time. And if you just go quickly to the next slide, did you, I have news for you, did you know that the best team won? Just for the record. I don't know how that, how did that slide get in my message? I don't know. But the best team won. There's, I'm just showing proof of that. So we had a great time last night, and if you were there, thanks for participating. And we had just a, a really great time together, and we packed out the house, and I realized just how little, much, how little I know about anything after that type of quiz. So thank you to my teammates for making the rest of us look good. All right. Just to say, Brent Smith from our church and his family are in Charlottetown this morning with our church there, and Brent will be speaking this morning, so we're praying they'll have a great morning together as well. Now, if you've been participating in our Bible reading plan and the Bible project, can I just say, again, I'm amazed at my own administrative abilities, that from January 1st on, I planned out for this Sunday, March the 19th, that if you did your Bible reading this morning, you were perfectly on cue for where we're going to be at this morning. Isn't that amazing? Like, how incredible is that? This morning's reading, I'm not kidding, March the 19th, 1 Samuel 1, 2, and 3. You are well, I know, isn't that incredible? You don't seem as amazed as I do. That's, I just thought, as preparing this week, I'm looking ahead, I'm going, oh yeah, we're in Judges, I think we're going to be coming out the first day. I look... This Sunday is the exact day we're doing 1 Samuel 3. Everyone's back in the midst. Everyone, I know. It's like, I know. That's all right. I'm amazed, and I might be the only one, but I'm going to just say God is good, and that if you've done your reading this morning, you've already read what we're going to read this morning. You are that on cue. So, some of you are still in Judges. Some of you are still in Judges. Keep going. You just keep going. And if you want to start today, you can start with 1 Samuel and read 1 Samuel 1, 2, and 3, and you can watch the video that goes with it, and it's been great, so we really appreciate it. And amazing today, can I just say this as well, Psalm 78 was today's reading, and it referenced 1 Samuel 4. I'm not making this stuff up, people. I'm just saying it's all there. That's really cool. Okay. So, give you a quick background. Remember, we're going through Samuel in the Old Testament. It has to do with the nation of Israel way back in the day, who were supposedly God's people, and therefore they were supposed to be following God and honoring God with the whole of their lives, and they're supposed to be different from the people and the other nations around them. And unfortunately, if you've just read Judges, or even if you're in Judges right now, you realize how terrible things were. And things do not go well when we do not pay attention to God. And I'm warning you, if you have kids, you, going through some of the Old Testament, you're probably going to have to walk through some things with them because there's some pretty horrible things in Judges. It's pretty actually our 
rate it. So I kind of know who's going through the Bible project because they're saying to me, I can't believe this is in the Bible. And it's pretty real, and it's pretty raw, and it's pretty ugly. And that's what happens. The Bible's very honest. It doesn't hide things. The Bible's very honest in saying, if we don't listen to God, terrible things happen. And whew, it's really gutting just reading some of the things this week. And that's what leads into 1 Samuel, because it says in Judges that people, there was no king, there was no leaders, it was chaos, there's disobedience, there's trouble, horrors, and everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. And that's where, except for the grace of God and God intervening, we would never have gotten to today. But God intervenes. And if you remember from our first couple of chapters that Hannah, we pick up her story, couldn't have kids, and she cried out to God, and God provided a miracle baby in Samuel. And we saw just an incredible, just thinking, praying for our parents this morning and everything, how incredible Hannah's response was. In her suffering and rejection, what did she do? She pressed into God and she prayed. God answered her, a miracle. And what did she do? She praised God and prayed even more. And what a godly figure for us. And Hannah had a big view of God, that God affects every aspect of our lives. And if you read on the rest of chapter 2, which we're going to come back to some next time and some today, really it's this incredible contrast between Eli, who was the priest, and his sons, and his sons disobeyed God big time. They were wicked men. And this little boy, Samuel, who grew up, and it says that he grew in favor and in stature in the eyes of God and men, which is a very familiar phrase if you go to Luke 2:52, It says Jesus did the same thing, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor in the eyes of God and men. So there's this contrast between Eli's sons and Samuel. And this is where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 3. So I'm going to read the first 10 verses. You can follow along, and I'll read them together. And it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, there were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, he was an old man, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. So that was in the tabernacle. This lamp was lit in the evening and followed through till morning. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And we'll follow up on the rest of that chapter the next time we speak from this. So you got to remember, as we paint the picture, we've got Samuel, who's a miracle child, and we got to remember that God heard Hannah's prayer, and God's kindness allows Hannah to become pregnant, and Samuel was born, 
and he's dedicated for God's service. And so as a little child, Samuel was brought to the tabernacle, and he lives literally in God's house. So if you understand Old Testament history, Israel history, when it says the ark of God was there, that's where God's physical manifest presence was, was at the tabernacle, and that's where Samuel was taken to grow up. So he grew up in God's presence. Plus, he's raised by a priest, Eli. So Samuel's seeing, and he's learning, and being trained to be a priest, and there's all kinds of opportunity for him to learn about God. But yet we see in verse 7, we see this, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, that is to know God in a personal way. Now, I find that quite amazing. Did you think of anyone would already know God's voice, it would be Samuel. We even read back in chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, doing what Eli the priest was telling him to do, yet Samuel, even though he was ministering before God, even though he was in God's house, even though he's around a godly person like Eli, Samuel did not yet have a personal relationship with God that allowed him to hear God's voice in a personal way. Verse 7, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And then in God, in his mercy, God speaks, and God reveals himself to Samuel, and that begins to change everything. Samuel knew about God, but he didn't actually know God. I'll say it again. Samuel knew about God, but he didn't actually know God. In Eli, someone who had heard God's voice before was able to recognize that possibly God was the one calling Samuel's name. I find it amazing, like, Eli, go back to bed. I'm trying to sleep. Finally, Eli even clues in. That might be God speaking. And probably the best advice Eli ever gave Samuel is this. If it happens again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And in verse 10, it's an amazing description. And the Lord came and stood there. Now, we won't get into what God might have looked like or everything, but it just shows the closeness of God. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other ties, other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And if you notice, Samuel forgot one key thing, didn't he? He even forgot to say, Lord. <laughs> He's just like, I think we'll give Samuel, we'll cut Samuel some slack, all right? God didn't seem to mind. Probably like, speak, I'm listening. Probably kind of just, oh yeah, I forgot the Lord part, but God was gracious, and God understood. And then God speaks with purpose, which we'll look at more next time to reveal his will and his plans and his purposes. So folks, there's lots of things just quickly for us to consider, even just from this short passage and for us to apply today. And one of the things, I've just put this phrase, religion or relationship. And what I mean by that is this. I'm going to define religion just for today is knowing lots about God. So sometimes when people find out I'm a pastor, they say, oh, you must be a very religious person. And sometimes it's amazing. People start to quote facts about God and everything like that. And I'm just like, okay, that's not quite what I think about when I talk about my relationship with God. It's not so much history and all these things which are included in it, but it's not just knowing about God. It's not just trying to be a bit of a better person. It's not just trying to like, well, I'll do some good things so that I kind of tick the religious box in life because I kind of feel that should be something. No, there's a big difference between religion, knowing lots about God or trying to do things for God 
versus relationship, which is this. It's knowing God personally. Because the Bible communicates that we can actually know God personally. Not just know about Him, but God actually speaks and calls us by name. Folks, that changes everything. That's different from just having a philosophy. That's different from just going through acts and kind of going through a sequence of things and going through, you know, just different duties to get to God. Do we actually believe that God Almighty, God of creation, God of history, actually knows you by name? He certainly knows Tim and Emma, because we've heard that lots already. By name. You should have saw them when Mark said Tim and Emma. They were just like... They woke up. It, it worked, Mark. You wanted to wake them up. It worked. God knows us by name. And he calls us by name. So, folks, there's a big difference between religion, knowing about God, and relationship is knowing God personally. Where God knows you by name, but then it gets even more crazy. You actually are able to then hear God's voice. Not just rules and regulations, but you actually get to hear the voice of God. That's an amazing thing. And there's lots of people I know, lots of people probably you know, and you might even be one of them, and I was at one point, that I was like Samuel in his childhood and youth. I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know God personally, and that might be some of the people we know today. There's lots of people who would say they're religious and they're trying to serve God, but if you ask them, do you, do you know God's voice? Do you? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. They don't understand that God wants a personal relationship. Church leaders, and I talked to a lot of my friends who are church leaders, we recognize that there's a lot of people in our church that just because they're, doesn't mean they actually know God in a personal way. Dare I say, I've actually met some church leaders who would say, I don't really believe God speaks today. I'm just like, but it's true. For our youth leaders and for those working kids church, we have a lot of kids who might even look religious, but do they actually know what it is to hear the voice of God? Parents with our own children, we might be teaching them a lot about God, but are we actually teaching them to know God's voice? That's something we're trying in our family is to say the importance that God actually speaks and we can have a relationship with God that's personal and you can actually learn to discern and to hear God's voice. And that changes everything. Because when you learn to hear God's voice, then there's a good part that you take personal ownership of it. So you heard, you heard the overflow of Angela's heart singing that song today. That wasn't just religion, knowing about God, that's saying, God, I know your voice. I know you're by my side. I know you stood in my place, and you're my helper, and you're my healer, and you're my redeemer. And we can go through that list. That's a personal response because Angela knows the voice of God. So it's a lesson for us. Samuel, you couldn't get any closer in proximity to God. He lived in God's literal house. He was raised by a priest. He was, you can't get any closer proximity-wise. He was actually serving God. He was doing good things. He was ministering to God. Yet, he didn't know God's voice. So that's a wake-up call 
for many of us it should be, that we can come to church, we can come to church all our life, we can do good things, we can say, I'm doing this for God, I'm going to go through the motions, I'm going to do, and we can actually be doing it out of good things, and yet we can still miss out on having a personal relationship with God. And that's what we don't want to happen. So what do we do? We need God in his grace to reveal himself to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit so that we can know God in a personal way. And the amazing thing is today, we learn in God's word because we go from Old Testament into New Testament as we read through the whole of the Bible. And we see that today, we know that our relationship with God comes through Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been singing about this morning. That's the name of our church is Christ Central. Why? Because Christ is central to everything. Christ is central to a relationship with God. And in the Old Testament, we read it even this morning, if you read Psalm 78. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people Israel, and a lot of times he referred to himself as the shepherd and his people as the sheep. And so he talked about wanting to take care of them, and he wants to come and shepherd them. He wants to feed them and guide them, and that he is the shepherd, and Israel are his sheep. In the New Testament, we read this when Jesus comes along in John chapter 10. I'm just going to read out some different one-line verses from John chapter 10. And Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And you've got to ask yourself the question, what am I being saved from? We're being saved from all the things that separate us from God that the Bible calls sin. Jesus goes on, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why did Jesus have to die? It's one of my biggest things. I was just on an airplane last month. I had a great two-hour conversation with a guy with, beside me. He's from the States, and we got on, and he just asked me a million questions about Jesus and Christianity, and he's saying, no, I believe Jesus. I believe that he lived. I believe that he was a good guy. I believe he had good teaching, and as we talked, the one question I kept saying, if he was a good teacher, and if he, why did they kill him? <laughs> and why did Jesus say, I have to lay down my life? It goes beyond just being a good teacher, good philosopher. Jesus had to lay down his life. Why? Because we had to talk about things like sin and the power of death, and we have an enemy who's real called Satan. And these three things had to be defeated. And we're going to learn more about how Jesus living, dying, and being resurrected affected those things. There needed to be a sacrifice, an atonement, a debt had to be paid, a cleansing. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and this is incredible. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I have other sheep that are not yet of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And then one of my favorite verses, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So Jesus coming, and just as we're singing in those songs today, coming as the Son of God, representing God, he is God, representing God the Father in the flesh, fully God, fully human, saying, I'm in the Father, the Father knows me, and he took on the same illustrations in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. I am the good shepherd. I'm the gate. You enter through me, you'll be saved. I'm the good shepherd. I've laid down my life I'm not like a hireling who just takes off when it gets rough. I'm laying down my life. I'm standing in your place so that you can stand with me and I can stand beside you. And Jesus takes on the analogy that you are my sheep. And he's saying to the Jewish people, 
I have other sheep outside the sheep pen, us Gentiles who weren't Jewish. I want to bring them in as well. And there'll be one flock and one shepherd. And if you're a sheep and you know Jesus as the good shepherd, it's incredible. Jesus says this, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus speaks to us. I know them and they follow me. So being a Christian goes beyond just sort of well, we might think that it's a relationship where Jesus is alive today, we're his sheep, he's our good shepherd, we hear his voice, he knows us, as scary as that might be, and we follow him. So Christianity isn't just a one time, it's an every day, it's an every moment thing. Jesus, you're speaking, I want to hear your voice, you're my shepherd, I want to follow you. Do you see how Jesus refers to his followers as sheep who he knows and who can hear his voice and who can follow him? So what are some of the things we can do? First thing I put up here is that we pray for revelation from God. We pray. We say, God, honest prayers. Would you please speak to me and would you reveal yourself to me? You're allowed to pray that prayer. It can sound a bit selfish, but God actually wants to answer that prayer. And can I just say this? For that prayer to be answered, somewhere along the way, Jesus will be brought into being answered, an answer to that prayer. So it's not just a mystical experience, it's not just whatever you might think that might be. Somehow, Jesus answering that prayer because he sent his son for us to know God, that when you honestly ask that prayer, God, would you reveal yourself to me? God, I really want you to show yourself to me. He will answer that through Jesus Christ because that's his answer. And so for you personally, you might be in a place where you might be asking now, Jesus, would you just reveal yourself to me? That's a great prayer. You're allowed to pray that, and I encourage you to keep praying that, and God's faithful, I believe, to reveal himself to you. You might be praying that for some people in your family, maybe for your spouse, or for your kids, or parents, maybe your siblings. We just heard it, Ollie prayed it for Jack, for Evelyn, God, we pray for their salvation. God, we pray, would you reveal yourself to them at a young age? What a great thing, a Samuel. At a young age, God speaking to him. So young people, I include myself. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Young people, okay, if you're still single digit, you're under 10, God can speak to you. If you're a teenager, a tween, God is speaking to you. University students, college students, God is speaking to you. My dad's here today. I'm going to pick on him. He's almost 85. If you're 85, God still wants to speak to you today. God's speaking to Eli. God's speaking to Samuel. I love it. All the age in between. And you can pray, God, would you speak to and would you reveal to my family? My friends, my peers, my coworkers, my teammates, we can pray, God, would you reveal yourself to my friends to my teammates, to my coworkers. This is a big prayer. We can pray for our enemies, Jesus said. Whatever that might look like, in relational issues and different things, we can pray, God, would you reveal yourself even to my enemies? Because the Bible says this, at one point, all of us were enemies of God. We were apart from God, and God in his mercy revealed himself to us. And somebody else was probably praying for us. So just as Robin and Andy were praying 
for James this week. Somewhere along the way, you know what? If we're a Christian, somebody was praying for us that God would reveal himself to us. So we've got a week of prayer starting tonight, as Mark said, 7.30 at our building, and then we're there Monday morning, Tuesday noon, Wednesday morning, Thursday noon, Friday, we're there morning, noon, and night. We have an opportunity to pray. God, would you please reveal yourself through your word, however means you want to do that, would you please speak, and would you please give us ears to hear? And that's what we're going to be doing this week as we call out to God together. And we can see in God's word that God's provided his Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity of the Godhead. And the Bible says this, the Holy Spirit is the person who reveals Jesus as Savior and Lord to us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, our helper, our revealer, our counselor. He convicts, he confirms, he gives light and understanding and life. So we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to do what only the Holy Spirit can do, and that's reveal Jesus as the good shepherd and light of the world. And we can pray, we can pray God's word. So we'll be praying this week. As Paul prayed, so I mentioned that I borrow a lot of people's prayers. I used to say I steal prayers, but borrow is a much better word. <laughs> Do not steal, okay? I borrow people's prayers. So there's lots of prayers in the Bible. So sometimes, you know what? I'll be honest. I run out of words. I'm not always that sharp when it comes to knowing what to pray for. So I find prayers in the Bible that are really good, and then I use them. And I say, God, I'm going to borrow this prayer. And this is a good one. So this is a free one for you to use this week, okay? Beginning in Ephesians 1. 17, next couple of verses, it's incredible, I'll only read part of it. Paul prayed this prayer, and I'm going to pray it even now. So, you're all being prayed for this morning, this is what I'm asking. I'm a- I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, Christ Central Church and everyone else here this morning, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. Let it be so. And it goes on. I'm just giving you a little snippet to whet your appetite, and you can go read the rest. So what's one thing we can do? We can pray. Say, God, pray. We pray, God. Would you reveal yourself? And for some of you that are here this morning, you can pray that for yourself because maybe you realize you don't really know God's voice. And you can pray, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you speak to me? Would you give me ears to hear? Because probably God's already speaking. And we can pray for our friends and for our family. We can pray for our enemies. And we can find things in God's word to pray that God would reveal and bring revelation to who he is. Another thing we can do is we can point people to God. Because I truly believe this, that God is speaking all the time. God's calling. God's revealing. But many times, myself included, and many people, we don't realize it's God. We're like Samuel. God's speaking, and we go to Eli. So a lot of times, God's speaking, and I'll give you some examples, and this has happened in my life, and happened in people that we walk with. Sometimes someone gets healed. They're not a believer. They don't know God. They don't know Jesus. God actually, we've seen it, God physically heals them. And they give credit to something else. Or they think it's something else. And I'm going, time out. Dude, that was God. That's God getting your attention. That's God saying he is real. And he's being merciful to your life. And he's actually calling you into a relationship. And that was one of the ways he was using to get your attention. Okay, how many times have we heard this? People actually pray who don't know God, but some 
circumstance comes in their life, and they pray, and they ask everyone else to pray, and we pray, and God answers that prayer miraculously, and then guess what happens? They never pray again. They walk away and just, oh, that was a coincidence, or they're thankful, but they don't realize God answered that prayer. That's God calling and revealing himself to you to want a relationship with you. We can go through, I can give you all kinds of different examples where people attribute what I believe things that God has done and God calling to this. They think it's some inner healing or inner power that's going on. It's not. Folks, we got nothing, okay? That's God intervening in your life. Sometimes we think we're adding a bit of spirituality to, no, Jesus wants to be our good shepherd. We're his sheep and we follow him. A lot of times people are just like, it's a coincidence this happened. No, it's God's timing. That was God intervening. It wasn't a coincidence. That was God. He's merciful. He's entering into your life. He's calling you. And I've seen people, their life was spared. Honestly, God in his mercy spared their life when they should have been dead. That's God. I shared that with my friend a couple years ago. He almost died. And I just said, God spared your life because he wanted to give you more time on earth for him, for you to find a relationship with him. So as a Christian, it's a joy and a privilege to point people to Jesus. So folks, I just encourage you, when you see things happening in your friend's life, in your family's life and that, that you know is God and they might not recognize it's God, can you be like Eli and just say, I think that's God. <laughs> can you maybe help steer people to say, that is God. God is real. He wants a relationship with you. He's interacting in your life, and he's calling you into a relationship with him. So this week, Mark mentioned it in the announcements. We've got the Alpha Film series beginning at our church building, and really across the city. It's great. We've got all kinds of churches, different denominations working together, and maybe you've seen, as Mark said, if you're at a movie, you saw the Bear Grylls advertisement on the buses, Alpha. It's been everywhere. It's been great on the radio, TV, and everything. What is it? We are having an opportunity this Wednesday, starting at noon, Thursday, 5.30 at Charlotte Art Street Center, to come and just to discuss and to take time out of our crazy, busy schedules to discuss the questions of life. And we all have different questions, so I'm not going to go through them all because you've got different things, but some of them are, why am I even here? What's my purpose? How should I live my life? What's my identity? What happens if I die? What difference does it make if God is real? And there's all kinds of other ones. And if you've seen the video for Bear Grylls talking about his journey of becoming a Christian, he said this, sometimes taking the first step is the hardest thing. And I encourage you this morning, some of us, take that first step. And for us who are already Christians, pointing people to Jesus, say, why don't you take the first step? I'll come with you. Because we don't always know what God is doing in someone's life. So our part is to invite and to point people to Jesus. And Paul said this in Romans 10, 14. He says this, consequently, faith, that's faith to put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. That's what I'm saying. Jesus is central in all these things. And just in closing, I know our time's gone. What's one thing that we can all do? Last thing is this. We can position ourselves to listen to God. So in verse 1, it's interesting. The writer says, 
it appears that God's silent and not saying very much. He said this, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. It didn't seem like God was silent. God wasn't doing anything. Well, when God does speak, it's for a reason and for a purpose. It's to fulfill his purposes and plans. And we'll see some of that next time we look at 1 Samuel. But God speaks his plans, and it's this. God speaks his plans out of relationship. So God, with the people of Israel and with us today, it's an invitation to turn away from other little gods and to turn to him. It's a calling to know God and to be known by him, both now and for eternity. There's something we're created. We want to be known by someone, and we want to know others. And sin mars that. That's that thing that happened that, man, we're messed up. And all of a sudden, the thing that we're created for, to know God and be known by God, becomes the most vulnerable, awkward thing. And it affects all of our relationships, doesn't it? We want to be known, but yet we want to keep our ground. We want to tell everyone who we are, and yet we're pretty defense, you know, we put our defenses up. We've been hurt, everything. And there's this longing to be known by God and to know God, and yet sin separates us from God. And Jesus has come to deal with with the sin that separates us from God so that we can know God and God can know us. That's what we are created for. And the Bible says that God wants to have that relationship both now, even from a young age, or even if you're old, and for eternity. Jesus said this in John 17, 3. Jesus said, now this is eternal life. What a definition. That they may know you, that's the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You think about, we're going to live for eternity with or without God. And Jesus said, now this is eternal life, that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. A personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, changes everything. And if you can learn to hear God's voice and you can get direction in all things in your life, wow, what an incredible relationship. That you can come to God about anything every moment of the day. You can seek direction from God. God, I don't know what to do with my life. God, would you reveal your purposes and plans? God, I don't know what to do in this difficult situation. I don't know what to do in this work situation. I don't know what to do. You can name it. Financial, marital, parenting, everything. And we can come to God and say, God, I want to hear your voice. And you know what? God speaks and he guides and directs. And that's the most incredible thing. So God speaking, what's our response? Can I just encourage all of us? Our response is this, it's humility. It's a humble response. We position ourselves to listen, and we want to reply as Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's a humble thing. We don't put ourselves as God. We acknowledge God, and we say, God, we want to be your servants. We want to be following you. The God of creation and eternity calls us by name. And God has made a way through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, to know God, to hear his voice, to become his child, that we can be his sheep, to hear his voice and follow him. So I'll just end with this. You know what, personally, growing up, I grew up in church, and as many of you know, because um, you make fun of me all the time, when I was growing up, uh, we sang hymns on Sunday morning instead of some of the newer songs that we do. And 
Anywhere I go, when I hear a hymn, I can tell you the page number of that hymn. <laughs> Which is just, part of that's my weird mind, okay? And part of it is, that's just, I grew up with the hymns. And so even in, we had, I think it was Blessed Redeemer, whatever, my Redeemer in there. I was thinking, oh, Blessed Redeemer, hymn 311. That, even singing this morning, that's what goes through. <laughs> I grew up in church. I grew up in a godly family, a Christian home. So I honor my parents for that. I grew up going to camp. I grew up knowing about God and bless them. Everyone, I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just saying me growing up with hymns, hearing everything. But it took a long time before I understood that I could hear God's voice. And I would probably be about 13, I would say, when I believe God saved my life. I knew right from wrong. I knew sin. I knew heaven, hell. I knew Jesus, the way, the truth, and life. Jesus sacrificed for my sins. Jesus paid the price. I knew that message, and I believed that I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and God did something. I know he saved me when I was about 13, but it took me till probably age 21, so a few years through there, and those are difficult years not to be hearing God's voice. <laughs> and I remember, I, I, can, I went back, I googled it, because it was, I know it was Easter Sunday, 1994, so Sunday, April 3rd, 1994, when I had an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, I heard God's voice. So, now, some theologians, you're going to get mad at what I'm about to say, but just bear with me, okay? I know God saved me when I was 13, and God put his spirit in me. So I know that I was called God's spirit, guaranteeing what was to come. But being filled with the Holy Spirit and having the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the teacher, who allowed me then to hear the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus became my good shepherd when I was 13. I heard his voice as a good shepherd when I was 21. Now, we want all that to happen at one time, so we'll come back to that. But hearing the voice of God and understanding in university, oh, God, what do you want to do with my life? God, do you actually have a plan that's personally for me? It's not just a generic thing. Well, we can just kind of live... No, God, what do you want to do with my life? So the first time I ever said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God began to speak and to reveal his purposes and plans. And it was totally different from anything I ever thought. And it had lots of valleys and ups and downs and all arounds. But there's nothing like hearing the voice of God. And he reveals that primarily through his written word. That's why the Bible Project, we're not just going through and ticking the boxes God speaks through his word. That's how he reveals. That's, and his Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, and we can hear his voice. And we're going to pray in a minute. And I, as I was preparing this this week, three key sort of categories of people, if I can say it that way, came to mind. And I'm just going to go through them, and you might want to take time today to talk or to pray more to receive prayer. Because I believe this, I know God is calling you by name. God's word says that he desires that none should perish apart from Jesus Christ to be separated. So God is calling your name. And so one person this morning or maybe before, you know what? Your response today might just be to take the first step to say, God, I'm willing to even pray. If you're real, would you speak to me? That might be just where you're at today. You know what? That's fine. We'll, we've all started there for those of us. Okay. Second, you might know Jesus has been calling your name. 
you might be aware now, okay, I see it's not just a coincidence. No, I didn't, I just, God brought this person to my life. No, I can see that. And you might be in that place of just saying, you know what, at some point, we need to just confess and say, Jesus, you're my good shepherd, and I want to be part of your family. And I want to make a decision to say, I want to be your servant, and I want to be your friend. And I want the things that Angela was personally expressing, I want that to be my story as well. You can have that today. And the third part, you know what? Some of us are Christians, and we've been Christians for a long time, but you know what? Sometimes we know God's speaking to us about certain things. might be certain things in our life or character. Maybe it's certain things about our career, our vocation, whatever it might be. You know God's speaking to you, and sometimes we resist, I'll be honest, and sometimes we just got to stop and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening we need to be willing just to, you know what, lay everything down and just say, Jesus, you're the good shepherd. I know I'm your sheep. I know that you know me. I want to hear your voice, and I want to follow you. And we want to make space this morning for you to be able to respond. So maybe coming to Alpha this week is your first step of saying, God, if you're real, I'm going to take a chance for 10 weeks. What's 10 weeks? What's 10 hours? It's worth coming at the end of it. You're going to have a good meal at Milda's Pizza, okay? What's the worst that can, the best thing that can happen is you can have a relationship, a personal one with God. That might be your first step. You might make a decision today that you can say, March 19th, 2017, my life changed forever. You might say this morning, God, I know you're calling about certain things. I want to be willing to follow you today. So Mark, I'm going to hand things back over. You can give some direction. I'll just quickly pray, and then you can give us some direction. So, Father in heaven, I thank you today for every person that's here. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, in the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And I thank you, God, for speaking through your word this morning. I just ask now, Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do, and you change a heart, and you speak. And I pray that even right now, Holy Spirit, people would hear you saying and calling by name that you have a desire to have a personal relationship with them and that you want them to follow you all the days of their life and to live eternity with you. God, I pray, would you put a yes in their hearts today to follow you, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Amen. Okay.